Hello and welcome to the 2020 Oz Movie Geek Halloween Hangover. I'm your host, Pato. Today I'll be talking about Vampires vs. the Bronx, a film that came out in early October, but unfortunately I didn't have a chance to review this one during my Halloween Spooktacular. I was pretty tight this year with my, I guess, schedule that I prepared myself for October, so this film sort of did slip by and unfortunately it wasn't a part of the Halloween Spooktacular, but... That's the whole point of my Halloween hangover. So essentially what this segment is, is me talking about a film that I didn't get to feature in the Halloween Spooktacular for 2020. So I'm just extending it now to the first week in November. So I'm talking about Vampires vs. the Bronx, a film that came out on Netflix, and it was a co-partnership between Netflix and Universal Studios, which I thought was interesting. But again, uh, it was a film that I wasn't really going to watch, but I decided that I might as well. I'd watched the film that I said I was going to watch that day, and then I was like, what am I going to watch tonight? And I ended up watching Vampires vs. the Bronx, and I had a really good time with it. So without further ado, let's just get stuck into it. So take it away, trailer. What's poppin', y'all? It's your girl Gloria coming at you live. If you see a kid that's riding a bike two sizes too big for him, that's his little man trying to save the neighborhood. And speaking of saving the neighborhood, what's up with all these missing person flyers? Yo, check out the courthouse. They're turning it into apartments? Y'all know how this starts. Them white people with canvas bags? That's always the first sign. Hey, what you doing down here, bro? It's too late to fight back now. We are going to wipe you out like the vermin you are. We got vampires in the Bronx. Nobody gonna care that Slim disappeared. Why? Because he's a gangbanger? Nah, homie. Because he's from the Bronx, like us. There's a lot of things happening in this neighborhood right now. Keep your eyes open. All right. Yo, that was mad vague, dog. What do you uh, do for work? Real estate. Are you seriously out at night when you know there's a couple of vampires running around? We're gonna need some garlic and some wooden steaks, like, right the hell now. Going to the nest and take out every last one of them. One night with you guys and I already have vampires and thugs trying to kill me. So, Vampires vs. the Bronx was written and directed by Osmani Rodriguez and stars Jaden Michael, Gerald Jones III, Gregory Diaz IV, Sarah Gordon, Method Man, Shay Wingham, Coco Jones, The Kid Mero, Chris... What's his name? Chris Red. He's that... You'll know who he is if I showed you a picture of him. Um, he was in Popstar, which I find quite enjoyable. Um, and also a brief, a very brief cameo there by Zoe Saldana at the very beginning. When I saw her name in the credits, I was like, is she going to turn up again? But she didn't, uh, which is a bit of a shame because I love Zoe Saldana. But the film follows a group of young friends from the Bronx who fight to save their neighborhood from gentrification and also vampires. Uh, this was a film that I'd heard mixed things about. Now, I know it's highly positive on Rotten Tomatoes, but it's got a very average user score. And on IMD currently, as of today, it is sitting at a 5.5 rating, which is quite low, which is a real shame because I actually really like this film. There's a lot going on here, and there's definitely a lot you can take um, you know, as social commentary. Uh, like they said, there, there's a bit of gentrification 
uh, going on there. And there's also, you know, some interesting uh, politics going on behind the scenes too that I briefly touched on. This film's more so aimed towards a younger audience, but there's definitely some interesting things going on as well, which I did enjoy, but I can understand why some people have found that this film is a bit over the top in regards to some of the messages it's trying to get across, but... I don't feel that that's necessary. I feel it can be enjoyed on its own right as just a fun comedy comedy horror film. It definitely doesn't have, you know, overly politicised views. It's definitely very subtle in some aspects. In some aspects, it does sort of beat you over the head with its message. But at the same time, I feel like it's handled in a mature fashion that I can really enjoy and get behind these characters because I found them really enjoyable there's a lot of Stranger Things kind of vibes going on with the three main characters here. We have Miguel Martinez, played by Jaden Michael, Bobby Carter, played by Gerald Jones, and Luis Acosta, played by Gregory Diaz the fourth. Um, and I thought that these guys were actually really good in the film. Jaden Michael is actually fantastic. He does a really good job at really carrying a lot of uh, the weight of this film just from his charm. He's a real charming kid, and I thought that he did a really good job here, uh, really driving home what he's trying to get across i suppose as well like he he's the guy the typical character that's trying to convince the neighborhood that there's vampires and of course no one believes him and he's getting in trouble from his mum, who's a single mum who's trying to raise her kid and it comes across that he's going down a bad path like some of his friends in the neighborhood have and i guess that's the general gist of his character and i think they do handle that in a interesting fashion there's a bit of um, I guess conflict set up between him and Gerald Jones's uh, Gerald Jones the third, sorry, uh, character Bobby Carter. Him and Bobby sort of had this bit of a thing going on where Bobby's brother has died because he was involved with the wrong people, and I guess Miguel doesn't want him to go down the same road, but he's also putting him in danger by trying to fight these vampires. So you can understand their conflict, but it's not really explored and it's dealt with in pretty much two lines. Essentially, Bobby won't go and meet Miguel to steal holy water from the church. Then Bobby's out with a guy that wants to actually kill them because he's a bad dude, he's a thug. Um, and then we find out that uh, Bobby's like, no, nah, I don't want to go down that same path. Him and Miguel have a few words and then they end up being friends again. It's like glossed over very quickly. Um, but the film doesn't really have enough time to deal with that, which is a bit of a shame because its runtime is quite short. It's only an hour and 25 minutes with credits. So I feel like you could have spent another five to 10 minutes to flesh out that conflict a bit more. That way, you know, the resolution could also be given a little more time. It would have just made it a little bit more enjoyable for me. I, I'm watching it thinking, yeah, we don't really get enough here. Um, Shay Wingham also turns up as... Um, He's the familiar, and if you've watched what we do in the shadows, a familiar essentially is a human servant for the vampires so they can do their bidding during the day, hours as the vampires can't. Um, and I thought he was quite good. I wish he was in more movies because I always really enjoy him when he turns up. Um, he was one of the best parts of Death Note when it came out. Uh, he was in Perry Mason as well, which I haven't seen yet, and he also showed up in Joker. Um, and he's also been in a ton of other films. He was in First Man recently as well, and he also showed up in Kong Skull Island, which is probably my most memorable performance of his. I, I feel like he's quite good in that film. Um, Sarah Gaydon also shows up here as essentially the main lead vampire. Not her first time being in a vampire flick, of course, um, in Dracula Untold back in 2014 as well. 
But she's quite good here. I wish she was given a little more to do because she's quite charming when she's on screen, which is what she's meant to be. Um, and then when the re- reveal comes in the third act of her character being a vampire, then we sort of get a bit more of an idea of what she was going for during the rest of the film as well because sometimes she feels really out of place, but she's meant to, and that's the idea behind her character. Uh, Coco Jones also shows up as Rita, who ends up joining their crew, and I thought she was quite enjoyable too. Um, she's given brief screen time, but she definitely helps the boys in the third act especially. She has this you know, idea behind what vampires are and has a bit more of an understanding we find out that her grandmother and her mother had been sort of preparing her for an imminent invasion of vampires. So she's a bit more attuned to the basic vampire law that's set up in this film. And it is quite basic. We just know that they don't like garlic, holy water bubbles when they're around and they can't go out in the daylight. It's simple, but it's effective and it definitely works. We don't need overly complex rules for these vampires Simple is the best way to treat the characters, I reckon, and then they do a really good job with that. I also thought that uh, the character that showed up in the film, played by Kid Marrow, Tony, um, was a really good character. Tony essentially is the mentor for the kids. Um, They're coming to him with all this stuff, saying that there's vampires out there, and Tony's sort of with the rest of the Bronx saying, yeah, no, they're not. Um, and Tony shows them Blade so that they know what to do when they uh, are met with vampires, which I found to be quite funny. Um, There's a sequence of them sort of preparing and watching Blade and just their reactions to watching that film, which is a great action horror film if you haven't seen Blade. Um, And I found that to be quite enjoyable as well, and I I really enjoyed, um, I guess, them setting up his character, and I wish there was a bit more of him because he acts as a mentor to these kids, and spoiler alert, he passes away uh, due to um, Vivian, played by Sarah Gaydon. Um, and essentially, yeah, he's he's killed by one of the vampires. And the kid's reaction to his death is quite... I don't know the right word to use for it. It's abrupt, but it's just the, the way the kids deal with it. Like, they think something's gone up because he... Uh, gone on because his shop's all boarded up. So they go to enter the shop, and there's just like a throwaway line just saying, oh, we're going to end up like Tony. And it's like... Yeah, like Tony mentions a couple of minutes prior to this that he practically raised those kids because he spent so much time with them in the afternoons that their reaction to his death should have been a little, I don't know, a, a little more meaningful. They just sort of like shrug it off and I just found it to be quite annoying. I was like, yeah, Tony mentioned to Vivian like a couple of minutes ago how she raised, uh, how he raised these kids. So yeah, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. And I was like, they should be a lot more sad than what they are. And there's like a moment where Miguel's looking at like a a phone recording of um, them spending some time with Tony. And I was like, that's a bit cuter, but maybe like a few tears or something, or maybe they could have a funeral for Tony. It's just things like that. The film feels very rushed and it's a bit of a shame because I feel like they could have spent a little more time really getting into these characters and fleshing out this plot a little more. This probably would have even worked, to be honest, as a small um, six-part miniseries or something. Like, these characters are really likable. The plot is quite enjoyable as well, and the comedy really works for me, and I feel like they could have fleshed this out just a little bit more. I would have liked an extra 20 minutes runtime of a feature, or you could have even fleshed it out to be a a six-part miniseries, like I said. Um, And I feel like if you did that, there would have been a lot more to grab onto and enjoy here. Um, but unfortunately, a lot of these plot elements are sort of like thrown aside. A lot of these character moments are f- very rushed and abrupt, like I mentioned, and 
They just don't feel like they really belong in certain sequences, which is a bit of a shame because it would have been nicer to see some of these elements flushed out a little more. Um, and it would have made me enjoy it, I think, just a little bit more. But like I said, there's still a lot to like. I really like the cast. I thought they all performed really well. I really like um, the two girls that are pretty much blogging everything that's going on. She has like a, a TikTok account and everyone's sort of watching what she's up to. And she's walking around giving like commentary of what's going on uh, in the Bronx during the day pretty much. And everyone's watching her and reacting to her and everything. And I found that part to be quite enjoyable. A lot of that reminded me of, I guess, the current landscape we're in with like TikTok and Instagram and Instagram reels and Facebook stories and Snapchat stories and all of that. I, I found it to be quite relevant. And it was an interesting character trope as well. So I thought that was pretty enjoyable. I also liked the setting of the Bronx. That was an interesting place, I guess, to set this film. And I thought they did a good job with that. I I mean, we've seen Brooklyn and, and other areas be you know represented in a film before. But just, I, I guess, with the current political and social climate in regards to um, uh, in, in regards to gentrification and that sort of thing in a lot of these major um, areas in America, I just thought that this was a, an appropriate setting for a film like this and I thought it was a great way to not even disguise but just to represent some of these social issues and social uh, constructs that are discussed in the film. Like I said, it's surface level but it's still good to see a mainstream film deal with some of these issues which is interesting and well handled for the most part. Uh, the film did remind me a lot of Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse, which is a film that I actually really enjoyed. Now, I know that this film didn't really get a lot of love when it first came out, which is a bit of a shame because there's a lot to like in Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. Again, that film is very rushed, but uh, there there is a lot in there that I did enjoy when that first came out. And I rewatched it last Halloween and I thought it to be pretty enjoyable. Um, I, I remember disliking it a little more than what... Um, I guess, what I ended up feeling about it last year. But the film is definitely really enjoyable. And uh, Christopher Landon, uh, who went on to direct the Happy Death Day films, um, which I thoroughly enjoyed, and they might feature in uh, Halloween Spectacular next year. Who knows? But the film, um, that film had a lot of similar elements to this as well. And I, I really like, I guess, that genre of film, I don't even know what to call it. I guess it's like a tween horror comedy. I, I don't even know, but I really did enjoy this film and I wish there was more films out there like it. I don't even know what to call it. It's, it's kind of like a throwback to Monster Squad as well. And I guess Stranger Things sort of revived this idea of these kids dealing with like a big threat and a big issue. And I feel that that's what they were able to do here with... Um, uh, with Vampires vs. the Bronx, and more films like this would be greatly appreciated. So I'm glad that Netflix is sort of taking these risks and doing these types of films. The Babysitter as well is another one that I would kind of throw into this genre as well. Um, Rim of the World I didn't love, but again, I appreciated. So even more films like that. And I guess if we're dealing more with adult characters, The Watch did something similar as well with these guys getting together and you know dealing with an alien invasion. And I know a lot of people hate The Watch, but it's another film that I do quite enjoy so i really enjoyed this subgenre of horror comedies that like i said i don't really know what to call it but the idea of these kids taking on this bigger threat like it's it's quite enjoyable um a lot of the action sequences and some of the effects definitely do feel on the cheaper side now i know this film had a very low budget so i'm okay with that and i'm okay with bypassing some of those things but 
I do feel some of the effects could have been tweaked to just look a little better than what they do. But at the same time, like I said, I do appreciate that this film is a lower-budgeted film, so I understand. But at the same time, it's always nice to see polished effects, and some of the effects do look a little dated, which is strange considering the film's less than a month old. But it definitely didn't have that big budget feel that some of those other Netflix films definitely do. And considering this is a co-production as well with Universal Pictures, I do feel like those effects could have been a little better. But I'm not going to hold it against the film because I do know it's a lower budgeted film, so I'm okay with that. Um, Some quick cut editing as well definitely did impact my viewing of the film too. There were some elements that felt, like I said, rushed and abrupt, especially the ending after they deal with the threat of the vampires. The three boys just hug and then it's just like a big party in the Bronx afterwards. And I was like, it feels like we're missing a scene here. Um, And it was just due to the editing. I just feel like it was a bit jarring the way that some of the scenes were put together, which is a bit of a shame. But at the same time, I I, I think it's fine for its runtime. I just wish the film was a little longer. And I think if it was a little longer, I would have enjoyed it a lot more than what I did. But I did really enjoy this film. So my verdict for Vampires vs. the Bronx with a likeable cast, sub, social subtext, and a fun story, the horror comedy ranks among one of my favourites in recent years. I have a great time watching this one, and I'm looking forward to watching it again in future Halloweens. I'm giving Vampires vs. the Bronx a 7 out of 10. Like I said, guys, this was a really fun film to watch, and when I said that it was one of my favourites in recent years, I mean for that horror comedy genre. It's a pretty it's pretty slim pickings out there for that genre, so... Any film like this, I'm happy to give a chance to because I really do like that genre. And we've seen some interesting hits in the genre in the re- in recent memory with like Ready or Not. And I mentioned The Babysitter as well, which I would throw in there. And this film definitely deserves a spot when discussing those films. Um, those films, I suppose, are more aimed at adult audiences. And like I said, there's a bit here to really enjoy for younger audiences. I feel like the age bracket for this kind of film would be between you know, like 12 and and my age, I guess. All ages can really enjoy it, but I feel like that's the main age group is between that, you know, 12 years old and about 35. It it seems to really appeal to people in that demographic. Uh, I can really see it striving well there. But like I said, guys, this is a really fun film. So if you have the chance, definitely check this one out. It's streaming on Netflix now and it was quite enjoyable. So, guys, that brings any Halloween discussions to a close for 2020. But at the same time, I'm thinking of touching on more, um, not even horror films, but just more classical films, films from an older age. I really enjoy talking about, like, Halloween, Scream, A Nightmare on Elm Street and Poltergeist. And with the recent 4K release of Back to the Future, I'm keen to talk about those films as well as some other films too so look forward to i guess film reviews coming out for older films because i really do enjoy talking about them and with slim pickings in the cinemas at the moment i thought that it would be a good time to go back and talk about some of these films that definitely mean a lot to me and films that i'm really looking forward to talking about so look forward to that coming soon check out my other halloween spooktacular reviews i had a great time reviewing halloween Uh, Poltergeist, Nightmare on Elm Street, You Should Have Left, Hubie Halloween. Um, Yeah, just all of them. It was a great time talking about those films. And yeah, now another film to add to that playlist. So check out those reviews and my other reviews too. I did a review recently for The Trial of the Chicago 7, which was released among my uh, Halloween Spooktacular reviews. But I did want to get that one out sooner rather than later because it's trending on Uh, Netflix wasn't as good as what I was hoping. I I thought with a film like that being released with such an impressive cast that people would be more on board, but 
no one's seen it, which is a real shame. And I hope that more people do get to see it. Um, you know, Borat 2 is coming out too, guys, or it's probably already out by the time you listen to this review. But I would like to talk about Borat 2 as well at some point. So look forward to that coming out shortly as well. And that's about it all. Um, that's everything. So, yeah, thanks, guys, for listening. And until next time, peace out. Peace <laughs> out.